We keep them down here. There are some simple rules which we insist you follow. Do not touch the glass. Do not approach the glass. You pass them nothing but soft paper. No pencils or pens. They have their own felt tip pens. No staples or paper clips in their paper. Use the sliding food carrier, no exceptions. If they attempt to pass you anything, do not accept it. Do you understand me? Yes. Above all else, never forget what they are. And what are they? Friendables! Two friends talking about Hannibal Lecter. Well, welcome. Guests have a seat. I don't think Dr. Chilton will bother us for at least the runtime of 124 minutes. Nicely distracted. Of Red Dragon, the 2002 film, improbably directed by Brett Ratner, starring Anthony Hopkins in his chronologically first but release wise last outing oh, okay. as Hannibal Lecter. You mean in canon? Chronologically? Well, in, can- in canon, it's definitely. Pre Silence of Lambs because gotcha. it has almost that right. Marvel tag yes. scene at the oh, end, yeah. like yeah. yeah. I just thought those two matter was like, did they somehow record it with like a baby Ed Norton? Because I got no, no. I yeah. thought you meant in this universe. In this, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it was released after Hannibal, so right. it was the last time Lecter Lech- yes. was played by Hopkins, and will be the last time if you listen to either Thomas Harris or Anthony Hopkins himself. Yeah. I would like to start our conversation off with a pressing topic. Okay. It, of course, is, and there's no discussion of this film without discussing the 1993 film, Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I mean, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, We we just got out of our screening of it here at Party Now Apocalypse Later headquarters, or the... uh, Baltimore Criminal State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, whichever right, you choose to right. believe. And I had to stop the film yes, at a certain point. Full on rewound the tape. Yep. And it's yeah. <laughs> that works yeah. for this one, yeah. So there's a scene where Will Graham is played by Edward Norton. Ed, Edward Norton. He's watching the Leeds's. He's walking through the Leeds's house. house. Yeah. This is that moment where he watches the tape but doesn't put it all together yet. Right, yeah. It's like his first uh, viewing of the tape. Yeah. And he opens up a cabinet. Mm-hmm. And and he sees a number of VHS tapes, which is a nice yeah. touch, especially in two thousand two, because those are yeah. DVD. DVD Honestly, players. felt very nostalgic because that is exactly how my mother stored the VHS right. tapes. Yeah, like very like hide yeah, behind the, the doors, so drawers, and... looks nice and centered in the room. There was a couple of things I was like, ah, oh, that's that's very good. They had Jaws in there, and that yes. made sense to me because Jaws is a Universal film. This film is being released by Universal. That's what you always see in movies, like posters or videos or something like that. It's always and it works in universe. Because like right. that, a lot of people own Jaws, even people with young children. Right. You know. And, and, but you this always is a mommy and daddy film. Okay. This is not yeah. something for little kids. You you, you <laughs> always see posters and videos appearing in films. Always end up being from the same studio that is doing the film. Because they own the IP. No, totally. They own the, sense. There, yeah. There's the, there's no copyright issues. You don't need to clear it with legal. Yeah. There is a video copy of the <laughs> 1993 mix 'em up comedy. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Which, separate podcast, I will still defend, uh, not necessarily from a cinematic standpoint, but from a cro- from an in-canon universe standpoint. Because if I was the ex-wife and I thought my husband was, oh. I, I would be like, I would need to know for sure. Sure. Because no one else would believe me that my ex-husband was doing this. <laughs> I would have to have you, incontro- hire a PI incontrovertible truth before I started telling people, I you, you said, this bastard's <laughs> dressing up as my nanny. 
You said you were going to defend this in universe, and I thought you were going to make a pitch for why it should be in Red Dragon. Oh God, no, no, like, no, 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 no! I'm full tangent. Oh, I'm gonna disagree I'm with a you there. Full tangent. This. No, I'm defending the the universe, Mrs. Doubtfire movie. Right. For this, this was. Mrs. Doubtfire is a film from 20th Century Fox. It has nothing to do with Universal, so I don't understand. The IP argument doesn't match. Nope. Somebody at legal had to clear it not only with 20th Century Fox, not only I mean, with Chris Columbus, there. but also Robin Williams. Yeah. Like, that That was at least three emails. Yes. And 2002 emails. And also the timeline doesn't make sense. That's where I flip my fucking shit. Because, okay. Barney so, had to restrain me. I did the math. Really quick during okay, that I did a lot of math. Okay, okay, okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You tell you math. You, you, I'm you bad at math. math so you I'm... give me the brief math, and I'll and I'll and I'll unravel it even further. So when he is originally talking to Hannibal Lecter in when it says splash card 1980, correct? He is talking. He says, "My son Josh." Right. Was at the grandparents or whatever, and that's how he actually uncovered. So that's 1980. Josh is alive and talking. Yes. So he is a child of some conversational ability. Let's be very lenient and say three or four. So he give him the max. Give this movie the maximum level of the doubt. Yeah. If it was 1993, that is 13 years later. If he was three or four, Josh would be like it's, 17. It's going to be 14 because the movie was released in theaters in 1993. Oh, true. They got a worn VHS so, tape in their drawer. It is at least, like, summer of 94. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. So Josh would be closer to 17 or 18. Right. And the Josh, unless they had a whole ass other kid that they also named Josh and lost the other one. Maybe he went to college and they're like, you're dead to us. We have Josh 2.0 now. Which, I feel like if that was the thing that happened, they had to have addressed it in the movie. Right, you'd think it'd be on Graham's mind. Like, yes, he has a lot yeah. going on. Yeah, but... well, he has a lot to live up to his older brother, the yeah. Josh that betrayed us by growing up and moving out. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, just in the time, the math doesn't work. Mary the Louise Parker looks good for having a young child and an adult child. But let, yeah, me, let, you know me edit, let me edit that sentence. That's not just a big for, for, take. Uh, yeah. I feel like no matter, like, Mary Louise Parker is going to look great. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to edit that sentence just for absolute perfect <sighs> truth. Mary Louise Parker looked good. Yeah, there were several good. times when I was like, Yeah, no, she looked I good. I forgot what was happening in the movie. She just was so pretty. God, she's just pretty. look how the camera yeah. loves her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know why she's not a bigger star. Right? Like, she's very good. Like her facial yeah. expressions, her, her emotional control, like her ability to emote is just very good. She's had a good career, but yeah. why she's not like Sandra Bullock level movie star is beyond me. I would much rather watch Mary Louise Parker than Sandra Bullock in anything. And I don't dislike Sandra Bullock. Yeah. I, just, I like Mary Louise Parker that much. I mean, no, that's true. I, I have not disliked Mary Louise Parker in anything. Right. And for me... Sandy Bullock is, I'm always chasing after that high I got with Practical Magic. Miss Congeniality got a little close. You know, but Practical Magic was like my it, you know? And then, yes, anyway, I could but see that's that. A, that's a whole different podcast. That's a whole different, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. podcast. We will just have a one-off episode where we just discuss <laughs> Sandra Bullock and Mary Louise Parker. Okay. That's fine. That's let's, fine. Let's unravel the math a little further. You're absolutely right. The Josh factor makes that right. virtually impossible yep. that that Josh is a child when he's talking to, when he's ca when he captures Hannibal Lecter with a, 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 a communicable child right 
But also, Lecter knows of him enough to say, Josh and Molly are in my thoughts yeah. later on. Unassailably, the kids will call him Ten. Yeah. In the, Maybe in this movie. a very, like, a, a, like, 11, you know, hasn't quite got those hormones to kick right. the puberty yet, but he acts 10-ish, yes. max. And, and there's, we'll get into the, the, the Clarice Starling hovering over the movie, probably eventually. <laughs> uh, but that's part of it. Okay, so he's captured in 1980. The Silence of the Lambs establishes that they actually started to lax his security in 81. That's when he attacked the uh, nurse when he was faking chest pains. Oh, yeah. So it's post-1981. Silence of the Lambs, in theory, takes place concurrently with when it's released in 1991. So Red Dragon's clearly before, because, I mean, obviously Lecter escapes in in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, none of this works. Here's the whole paragraph I wrote. (laughs) Mrs. Doubtfire? First, it's 1993 and November to boot. Second, it's not even a universal movie. Legitimately befuddling. I mean, it's several years after Lecter's capture. But Lecter knew of Josh, and Josh is still a little kid. So I doubt 13, really 14, when we think about it, years have passed. It also kind of screws the timeline for Lambs. The incident where he attacks the nurse after being in the hospital is in 1981. Actually, the whole video would have to be 1994. So that makes things way worse. How the hell is Lambs taking place in the future from when it's released? Which really unravels why Grant isn't called in on Buffalo Bill in this universe, but mm-hmm. one imagines we'll have to pick that up in a future podcast. Yeah. He's at least been in prison for three years because they talk about how they tried to test him with right. sodium pentothal. Pen- pen- I, I, can't, I can't remember the Amatol. name. Of the, Amatol. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sodium Amatol. Yeah. So, 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 so. <laughs> None of that works. Yeah. And and it, it's it's... Like, so many movies have weird details that you want to pick apart in that. But right. the whole ethos of anything involving Will Graham is being observant. Right. Right, no, because he, he is this, he's Thomas Harris's version of Sherlock Holmes. It's the whole, like, I observe individual and I make connections. And I make connections. Yeah. He's, a, he's the Sherlock Holmes detective. I am bothered that I, that I will admit Will Graham is... Infinitely more observant than I am. But I am infinitely more observant than Brett Ratner is. Yes, or his props department, for sure. Either, He's the captain like of the ship. He needed, no, he, sure. he, he needed to take a look at that VHS drawing, like, get that fucking Doubtfire out of there. Yeah. How, how did like, legal clear Doubtfire? As a director, know that you have this failing on, like, that thing, then you hire the person in the props department to be good at it. Like, you know, to cover, like... Yeah. I'm good at here, but I'm weak here, so you're going to shore me up kind of thing. But that's yeah. okay. The whole that's movie takes thing. place in a liminal area where time has no meaning. Yeah, not for sure. So now that we've discussed Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> which was obligatory, how does this stack against Manhunter, do you think? Oh, I, I, this is infinitely more watchable. I, I actually in, like this film. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to say it's top ten. Right. But, like, I was engaged all the way through. There was, a, there was a good chunk of the movie where I stopped taking notes because I was just watching the movie. Yeah. Which, hey, is honest, a pretty good review in itself that I stopped yeah. reviewing it. That I was just, like, enjoying the ride that they set me on. There was some iffy parts. There were some slow parts. And also, parts, um, not... I made a weird comment while we were watching it, but I, I, I know this is a wild take. I might be the only person with this opinion. This soundtrack was not doing it for me. I actively missed the Miami Vice soundtrack from Manhunter. That, I never <laughs> thought that would weird, happen. Which is, a, I know, I know it's a weird take, but I was starting to go like, you don't be great for this scene in Agata Vida. Yeah. Yeah, I think this scene, not 
the scene that Anagata DeVita was like on top of. No, no, no. We take the visuals from this movie and just take the music from Manhunter and just shove it onto Red Dragon. That's interesting. I would have been happier. But I, that, that's that's my opinion, and I know that no one else in the universe shares it with me. It's fine. <laughs> well, Michael Mann would, I think. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I think there are people who definitely prefer Manhunter to this. I I, I think people rightly say that this was a a, a money grab that Hannibal. The film Hannibal did true. did better in the box office than anyone thought. So they thought we got to have at least one more. Okay, movie. true. In the context of the of our timeline, yeah. I can see that. I think it's very well cast. Yes, and a much better, or rather, I would say maybe not better is the right word. A closer adaptation to the original book. Yes, I, I think more of the plot is in there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a credit to Ted Talley, the screenwriter, and he's the screenwriter who adapted Silence of the Lambs, so mm-hmm. there's that connection there. Right, right. And there's just whole scenes of dialogue from the book that have been lifted, and, and that right. was part of the script of the movie. So I, I, that, I do like that. I mean, sometimes I see movies that were, like, for, you know, based off of books or whatever. Right. Th- that's not always uh, a thing that, like, uh, a good thing for Eris, but in this case, uh, the dialogue... The dialogue in Thomas Harris' book slaps, so why not yeah. just take all of it? You know, <laughs> why not just put that? Like he was good at dialogue for sure, so right. why not just take it? Yeah, and I think that works. And I, but I think some of the Lecter stuff that's added is superfluous. Yeah, because the prologue I'm fine with because I think it it legitimately helps set up Graham's character. Yes. But then there's a whole patch, and I think it's right about the time uh, where Dollar hides in the museum. Yes. And, he, and he's eating the painting, which mm-hmm. is a good scene from the book, not in Manhunter. And it, it's good that it's in here. But it cuts to Lecter in the asylum. Oh, yeah. With no addition to the plot. It's just, like, security footage of him taunting Chilton. Yeah. Which I'm like... That's fine, but why is that in the movie? I know why it's in the movie, because you're trying to sell a Hannibal Lecter movie. But beyond that... You gave Will nothing, and Will still gave you the good boy treat that you had requested, which was fine dining in a show. So uh, maybe the the real statement is the, the superior adaptation of Red Dragon is the third season of Hannibal. Yes. Okay. But this was getting close. I think that gets us to our commercial break. Yeah, absolutely. And now it's time for Eris's Recipe Corner. Please don't use humans. I gave a couple of recipes before. I mm-hmm. think this time I'm going to do something slightly different and um, rather less of a huge meat-based kind of recipe. Um, I'm going to do one of my favorite salads and I'm really mm. proud of this one because it's very fancy. It's very, it's like when I want to have a salad as an entire meal, it's mm-hmm. restaurant, well, maybe not restaurant quality, but it looks like a fancy restaurant made it that I did in my kitchen. Most salads are in the toppings. This one is a chicken and spinach based salad. So really you need to start well before, uh, marinate your chicken. I usually use chicken breasts. These tends to be easier. What part of the human would be best for the chicken breast? It's like human breasts feels like a bad idea. No, 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 this is way too fatty. I would probably go bicep. Bicep, okay. Again. Nice big chunk of muscle that isn't gonna be too super marbled. So. Again, party now apocalypse later industries would discourage you from using human meat in any dish. Also, Proceed. white meat works better for this dish. Now, like I have That's a steak. Racist. Oh, that didn't mean that. <laughs> you know what I mean, cooking wise. You yes. know, you want like like you want like red meat versus sure, Jan. What? Oh my god. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. 
thing that I, a little, little sidebar uh, thing that I learned. Um, I looked up a lot of like chicken marinating recipes when I was learning how to cook. And then I realized almost all the recipes were almost indistingu indistinguishable from Italian dressing. So I just use, I just use Italian dressing. Just like craft or yeah. off brand, like Best Buy. Best Buy Italian dressing. Yeah. They're basically the same thing. And that's one yeah. of those food things that doesn't taste singular on a brand. Like, yeah, Kraft mac and cheese tastes different than right. Best Choice mac and cheese. Absolutely, for sure. But a lot of salad dressings are very. Dressing, I've never felt like, oh, that's the dressing I have to have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so, so just Italian dressing, honestly, I would say cheap bottles will work because you're going to use a lot of it, but marinate it in Italian dressing for a good couple hours in your fridge. And then, you know, just bake it. I usually do 420, blaze it, before I pop it in the oven. <laughs> you know, baby. I, I, I had to. Yeah. I had to. I looked directly into Z's eyes when I said it. <laughs> I pop it in the oven at 420 for a good uh, 35 minutes. I do um, salt and pepper, and sometimes I'm feeling fancy. I put, like, oregano on top of it. But honestly, the marinade is does a lot of the work, the heavy lifting right there. Then, yeah, when it comes out of the oven... Obviously, let it cool. Like, don't don't burn yourself. You're not. This is not a hurry up kind of dish. Mostly because everything else is so quick. So the salad itself: baby spinach, candied pecans, cranberries, red onion, and goat cheese medallions. Like, if you get like the log of goat cheese, just like mm -hmm. cut it up into medallions. You can crumble it too, but there's something that's really nice about having like the big hunk of goat cheese, mostly because I really like goat cheese. Put the chicken on top of there. Preferably cool, because otherwise it kind of melts the goat cheese. Balsamic glaze and just cover it. I usually do like a checkerboard pattern, you know, horizontally and then vertically. This salad is so amazing. <laughs> this is my salad of the week. I try really hard not to have it more than four times a month. <laughs> nice. Nice. So there you go. If you want to have a something a little healthier, something, you know, because like meat protein is very good for you, especially for people who are trying to work on, um, I don't know why you would, but like I've heard of a thing called vegetarians. I've heard that like sometimes they have problems with like getting their protein. And that's mm -hmm. no, you have to have protein to live. Like that is a thing. But at the same time, I also understand that having an all protein diet is probably maybe not also the best thing for our body. So like, yes, we're, this is a nice. We are round. omnivores by constitution. For sure. For sure. Also, this salad just makes you feel good. It makes you feel fancy. Mm -hmm. it makes you, yeah. It's my recipe for the week. Eris's recipe corner. If you use human meat, that's on you. If you enjoy this podcast, you might enjoy our other podcasts. We have uh, The Holodeck is Broken, a Star Trek rewatch podcast. Partyapocalypse.com has several other podcasts in their entirety, including The Fourth Wall and As the Myth Turns with Eris and our producer Z. That's Z. <laughs> Z talks in uh, trumpet horns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've thought so many times. <laughs> There's more at PartyApocalypse.com, including my books, including The Once and Future Orson Welles. And if any of these stories goes over 1,000 words, this entire book will explode. More will be coming from PartyApocalypse.com, so watch that space. Eris, do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Not at this time. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I bleed the fifth. <laughs> Is it? Okay, then I think we will go back to our episode. So we're back... Talking about Red Dragon, the mm -hmm. Brett Ratner film. Could have been a real shit show, but wasn't. I think that's right. the thing. I think it kept itself together. Yeah. I yeah. think the cast is the, the glue. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the cast is very professional. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all nominated for Oscars for yeah. something else. These like are this... people who know what they're doing. Yeah. 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 Maybe they all did it for the money. I think I was reading through the IMDb trivia sections, and Edward Norton used all the money to fund the 25th hour. You uh, know what? And I'm to... okay with this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are worse things to do for the money. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. We do some of them. <laughs> yes. We do. I liked the scene of him hacking the phone. It actually worked a little bit better than in Manhunter. Where he was actually physically, he was freaking yes. the phone. Yeah. He was using the cradle to mimic the rotary phone clicks. Because that's exactly uh, how the rotary phone would work. You would get to zero and then it would click gotcha. back. And that's exactly how you would dial in pre-touchstone phones. Okay. So okay. they handed him a rotary phone without the rotary and he knew what he was doing. Yeah. So he, okay. he actually, he didn't have to dial information and get connected. He knew... Oh, that's cool. How to dial the right phone. Gotcha. So yeah. I thought that was a nice touch. And that's beyond even the book. Cause right, because the, the book was just, he he just, he hung up. Yeah. And then he held onto it until the operator came on. Right. But I also think that was back in the time when there was more operators. Right. And, um, and Manhunter, Brian Cox used gun, like foil gum wrap to uh to short, short the, the, the phone to get it to cycle back, back to, to the operator, operator where yeah. he then said like i don't have the use of the hand this is the best you? version of that yeah yeah because it's legitimate freaking like you can't do that now anymore you know i forgot that that how that wasn't half i forgot that that wasn't how it was done in the books it was like just so smoothly put in that mm -hmm. i was just like oh yeah this is what hannibal did and i was like no like this moment, I was like, no, he didn't. He had to get to the operator. <laughs> yeah. 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 Here's something I liked and then didn't like as I watched it. I thought this movie did a better job with making the link between psychopathy, forensic science, and creative endeavor. That I think is so good in the book. Mm -hmm. where, where it depicts Graham's process as not being able to see it, struggling with it, and then the euphoria of finally putting it all yeah. together. And I think in the scene where he's putting it together about like the fingerprints and the, and the, yes. the glass eyes, I thought with that was doll. really well yeah. done. But when he finally puts it together that the videos are, are the link... Oh, yeah. It's it, a little more perfunctory. It's certainly more perfunctory than it was it's in Manhunter. Yeah, where in Manhunter, like, William Peterson has, like... A half a stiffy when he figures it out. It's like, yeah. it was that, you asshole. I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. I'm William Peterson. They, my, there wasn't a great music background choice. When he put it together with the dolls, there was a swelling orchestral yeah. like beat to it. And then when it was Chromalux, it was kind of just there. Right. Just kind of weirdly silent. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, I do think Edward Norton could have done a different type of take on it. From yeah. an actor's choice, but I do think part of it was that a lot of our a lot of audience emotion is manipulated through the movie's music. Absolutely, um, 100%. and music can make or break a uh, film. And like I think we already talked about that. Like the music is starkly different. What's interesting is it kind of is an interesting case study in who is the author of a film, mm, because yeah. especially yeah. when comparing it to Manhunter, because you know some people will poo-poo the auteur theory that mm -hmm. the director is the author of a film and say that there's so many other craftsmen involved with it. Mm -hmm. Which I think is it can be correct. true, yeah. But then they'll point to other people like, oh, uh, the cinematographer. The cinematographer frames what you see is that artist's work. Yeah. 
it's exactly the same cinematographer as Manhunter. Like the same yeah. guy did it, and it's a starkly different film. No, for sure. So I there's think there's something to be said to the direction, right? Given to the cinematographer and the music and the music because yeah. this is a very middle of the road Danny Elfman score. Yeah. That we're looking at here, it's fine. I think when I've been reading uh, some of the Lecter books now, it's actually the soundtrack I've been going to most frequently. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, well, I'm reading the Lecter books uh-huh. for our various episodes here. Mm-hmm. But it's it's unmemorable. There's not a theme that you can go, ah. Right. What else do you have, Eris? I feel like I've been interjecting with a lot of topics to discuss. <laughs> I, I have one major thing and the one very, very tiny minor thing that we had already called out in the movie. Okay, very good. But I'll, I'll go through the, the major thing first. So for a good, decent portion of this movie um like you had said earlier they, they had actually done a lot more character building between will and hannibal they had inserted some stuff that I, wasn't there yeah. in the books but i was you know it works for the film because you kind of need to it have all that flowed from the books it, it flowed from the books yeah. yeah but they they did do some embellishment and for i mean very early on i mean because it's the, one of the very first scenes they have yeah. where it's clear that that hannibal lecter had been working as some type of forensic psychologist with will in you know in conjunction with will and the fbi to catch garrett jacob hobbs and stuff like that it's very homoerotic and i was sitting and thinking is this where brian fuller got the idea for the show right i is watching this movie in particular and watching edward norton and hannibal lecter play off of each other because it was very like just let me kill you yeah just let me hold you there's penetration and yeah yeah whisper tenderly into your ear yeah and then like even when later when edward or edward when will turns around to talk to chilton chilton's like how did you do it he's like i let him kill me and it's like almost said tenderly yeah and i was like am i supposed to be getting worked up like emotionally over this scene because this should be a horrifying scene but instead i'm just going like oh my babies (laughs) and i don't know who did that to me first edward norton or brian fuller (laughs) i'd go even earlier than that when they're just talking at at lecter's desk yeah he he talks about how i'd love to get you on my couch yes and i was like i was like ooh, z even made a noise of like "Mm." Yeah. Like like a whole, there was a noise. And, and, and when Lecter leaves him to go get his coat or something, yeah, he yeah. puts his hand very gingerly on, on Graham's yeah. arm. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's where Brian Fuller got it for the TV show. My theory on the TV show was always they couldn't use Clarice Starling, so Brian Fuller fused Starling and... Graham together but you might be right it might have been just the little bit he took from Red yeah. Dragon because in Manhunter it's definitely not no, there's no, no, no love no. between them there is a irritation yeah from and there's Lecter. a weird like I want to mess with you specifically because right. you caught me right. so I'm gonna do things to make you uncomfortable but this was more we had a base relationship to begin with yeah and now we, there's a much more emotional interplay there because they did have that like previous past history and and, and Lecter's sicking dollar hide on him yeah. it feels less like you got me I'm gonna get you right and more, and more you broke my heart yes and you are going Very to regret it for the lover. rest of your days. Yeah, how dare you? Yeah. I can't have the glow up that I was promised. So this is how I'm getting Absolutely. back at you. I no, I was struck by that too. Yeah. I like I, I came into this thinking that there's not a romantic quality between Lecter and Graham in this movie, but I had forgotten that there is. It really is. It's all subtext in a movie no. that it doesn't have a lot of subtext. Yeah, but they oh. they played it like it. Agree, hundred really percent. 
not saying that this is where Brian Fuller got it, but that that was what I was like. I wonder if it's somewhere a, it's a decent theory. Yeah, yeah, ten years before, you know, that Fuller made the NBC show, he was like, mm, I could do something with that. You know, like just yeah. I just imagine Brian sitting in the theater yeah. <laughs> and watching this and going like, you know, <laughs> maybe. You're like, there's I something could, I there. Could, three seasons in a movie. I could watch this. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. something there. <laughs> Absolutely. You said there was another thing that was... This. Oh, when they're in the library. Yeah. Now, that lady <laughs> is, is credited as a bookseller in the credits. Oh, interesting. So it's a, it, it, it does have kind of a bookstore-ish feel okay. to it. But I like I think you and I definitely remarked that there was a librarian vibe. Oh, she there. full librarian vibe. I mean, maybe yeah. that's just because it's like the library that I work at. The whole the county system, in fact, is is very it's very progressive. And there's there's certain types of like little pockets of conservatism in the whole system as a whole. Yeah. Just for the the place the the the, the county that we work in. But like we have dyed hair. Mm-hmm. We usually like we have certain like employee regulations of like you know what kind of clothes you can wear like like no ads we have the librarians full-on librarians that have like big like neck tattoos and like you know like that's just normal that's i mean it's gotten to the point where some branches you almost have to have to dye your hair like you're like oh you have a natural hair color you can't work here here's a bottle of emerald green dye go to the bathroom and change that i mean like there's some branches that are very wacky and that library that I just I read librarian from her. She had yeah. like I I love books, and here I'm gonna like let's just go find you some books. But also one of the few characters who believably came from the 1980s. Yes. Yeah, like very I very big she 80s vibes. Yeah, yeah. The print hair, the bottle yeah. blonde, the denim jacket, right. all of it. Very good. Yeah. Chef kiss. Yeah. But, it's stark contrast to the rest of the film that doesn't feel like it's <laughs> taking place in the 80s or, again, in 1994, as if you'll remember from my math lesson earlier. <laughs> yeah. She did get the Dewey Decimal System wrong a little bit. She did, weird. but if she, it was a book story, then it must have been some other I mean, number. Occurred, yeah, that, they never said it was Dewey Decimal. Yeah. They just said that was in 406, 406.9, yeah. um, which I can do this off the top of my head. should be dictionaries. Right. Should be English language dictionary. And Humanities get into are going to be like, four twenty to four eighty. Yeah. is uh, four language dictionaries, right? And, and other types of books like that. I'm not as like that tuned in because I'm not actively working. In the yeah, I got to right shelve that shit all the time. But I also knew humanities, including art, were going to be much higher than that. It's going to be seven hundreds, eight hundreds, somewhere. Eight eleven is poetry. Eight eleven is poetry, but art mm-hmm. as well eight, would be eight, anything before eight ten. Like eight hundred yeah. to eight ten is screenplays usually. Mm-mm. Is no, it? Oh, it's not screenplay. Uh, sure. That what one I can it? tell you for hundred okay, cool, percent cool, cool. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what is it? I'm just curious. Uh, seven ninety three point four five. Oh no, that makes sense. Seven nine one point four three. Because that yeah, that is arts because it goes yeah. into uh, art. Yes. Drawing by the time it gets to like seven ninety seven. Right. Yeah. yeah. Visual arts is the the high seven hundreds. Yeah. This has been Dewey Decimal. <laughs> A service in Friendables. Did you know that that Mevil Dewey tried to shorten his last name to D-U-I? I did know that. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you know that he was a rapist? <gasps> Fuck, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to change some things in my little newsletter. Yeah. ALA's podcast was once called the Dewey Decimal Podcast. Oh. And they changed the name because, yeah, we're not we're not talking about Dewey anymore. Okay, okay. Dude, the man could count to a thousand, but he was an anti-Semite and a rapist. Okay. Cool, cool, cool.
well, then we will only talk about the organizational system yes. that the library still uses. Yes. Yes. I agree. This has been Library Corner. <laughs> hey, look, we we do both work, or at least I, I mean, I definitely do a lot of volunteer hours yes. in the hospital library, so um, yes. it keeps me calm. And I'm taking a I think? correspondence course. Yeah, I'm, I, There's nothing that could prevent me from taking my current master's program if I was locked in the basement of a asylum for the criminally insane. <laughs> It's amazing how that works out, actually. Yeah, they yeah. will make... I mean, it's almost like being in grad school is some type of... They can, do they consider that a punishment? Oh, my God. Is that it, what's happening? It's a self-inflicted punishment because I don't is that what is that why Chilton lets you do this? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, my gosh. Like, pick your punishment. I'm going to talk to Chilton later. Chilton's a genius. Get it? I, sometimes my brain thinks funny <laughs> things. We are approaching the end time. Do we have anything else about Red Dragon of 2002? I enjoyed it. I, I don't not enjoy it. I, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a well put together movie. I could have done, uh, there could have been better music choices. I did sure. feel like those made some scenes fall really way flatter than they should have been yeah. for just lack of good background music. Kept really true to the book, which I thought was Largely, pretty nice. I, like it even had Graham injured at the end. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, it took little... the foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah, a little mm, about the fact that Molly had to seek permission from Graham to shoot Dollar yeah. High when I'm like, yeah, girl could have just shot him. Like in the books where Dollar High takes off half of Graham's face and then Molly's like, not my husband and just kills him. But I really liked Reba. Yeah, she's I really very liked good. Reba. Um, I really liked how they set up that whole interplay. I mean, again, they they followed the books, and I think that was probably where, their strength. Yeah, and absolutely. That, it was really just like the very end, and even then, it wasn't that bad of an ending. I've seen bad endings. I've apparently. seen bad like the ending unravels a little bit for me. There's the handling of the Dollar Hyde's magic book of misdeeds. Oh yeah, and, and, and... <laughs> those should have been Xerox copies. Like, right. what if Graham like was like walking out of the hospital with it, like dropped it in the gutter and be like oh no right. no we can't read it like, whoopsie why did you hand the key piece of evidence in a just concluded serial killer investigation yeah. to a guy who's not who's only a temp with right. the agency yeah he was full retired it was ridiculous but yeah. and then then the Xerox copies and, and the little tag scene ridiculous oh yeah that was it, like marvel movie before marvel movie was a thing exactly yeah. and, and it also fucks with the timeline a little uh, bit more because in by judging by this movie silence of the lambs takes place immediately there at, at, right, after which means a Red buffalo Dragon. bill is currently murdering people right and and crawford does not seem bothered at all it's like he doesn't know the man exists right so yeah doesn't uh, work dumb dumb ending Dumb, like, final beat yeah. for the movie. But that oh was well. very cash grabby. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. the rest of the movie, I mean, like, we're talking about maybe cumulative a couple of right. minutes out of an entire, yes. you know, two ish hour film. So, I mean, to pitch Brett Ratner's Hannibal Lecter movie, it could have gotten a lot worse. That's, that's true. Yeah. So, I think we'll wrap up our discussion of Red Dragon here. Next time, your faithful prisoners will um, move on from the original mm -hmm. story. It feels like we've been doing this podcast a little while now, and really all we've been doing is Red Dragon. Right, yeah. Uh, we are going to move on to the 1988 novel, The Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Uh, and that will be a great fun time. Mm -hmm. There's Barney. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> okay, 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 bye! Bye, bye, bye! Sorry, don't look out! Oh, no, Mix, don't do that! Oh, you want a towel?